Live from Columbus, it's the Zone of Truth. This week on the show, Griff and I sample the new flavors of the Bud Light Seltzer Sour Variety Pack, bring back pulse-pounding segment, Banger Battle, and of course, answer some listener questions. I'm your host, Steve, in the studio with your GM and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a will save. You're in the Zone of Truth. And we're back. Yeah, we're back live again. Live. It is probably going to be the tightest turnaround that we've ever had on one of these. So this is going to be almost contemporary when people listen at home. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, That's quick. It's Saturday. This episode's coming out on Monday. Big weekend. We just came off of a few days of gaming. Tomorrow, we got a big old Super Bowl party. Day after that, Valentine's Day. I mean, stacked couple days. Love is in the air. Boy, banger battle indeed. Mm. Griffin, how have you been, my man? Pretty good. Pretty good. I'm hesitantly ready for those that are live can see a spread in front of us. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, they can. Yeah. I'm tentative on whether sour is going to go well today. I had a Bloody Mary or two this morning. Okay. So. Yeah. I'm loose for it. Ooh. Should I have done that? Probably. Yeah. I'm hesitant. To really chase any alcohol with over 300 milligrams of caffeine, but that's the world we live in. I also already had a bang today, so this is not going not gonna to be great. You're going to die. Haley's a- shaking her head. I've had two in a day before. I mean, well, you're going to have two and a half. Uh, I'll sip that one. <laughs> I'll sip that little one. I'll try it for the review. Yeah, I don't know. All right. Are you drinking anything right now? I'm going to guess the answer is no. No, I'm, I'm waiting until we drink together yes and i am finishing the tail end of a liquid death bury it alive naturally flavored sparkling water these are delicious yeah i just had a mango chainsaw oh boy delicious love them really good we have a lot to get through today i know i say that every time but this time it is also true i've got some stuff to talk about up top but I want to hear what you've been up to the last couple of weeks, Griffin. Yeah, Pokemon Legends Arceus pretty much the entire time. I probably have put over 24 hours into it since it's released. Ooh. It's very fun. It's the best Pokemon game that's come out in probably 10 years. Last time I saw your pause screen, you were at uh, like 35 hours. Okay, 35 hours. Undershot that by half a day. Well, you know, time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, yeah. So I've been playing that. Keep Plugging away at One Piece, we just finished the Water 7 arc, so this is a new crew member. I won't spoil who if you haven't watched One Piece, even though those episodes came out nine years ago. I gotta ask every time you bring up One Piece, where do you think your episode count is about? Uh, I think we're just shy of 320. We're in the three teens, 300 teens. And we haven't even hit the time skip. I don't know what episode the time skip is, but there's a time skip coming, apparently. I think it's after this next arc. So the next arc after Water 7 is supposed to be Thriller Bark, I believe, which is an island of undead, which sounds really fun. Yeah. Uh, So I'm excited to watch that. But then I think there's the time skip. And a lot of people, when they talk about One Piece, say that it gets really good after the time skip. Oh, so you just need to get through the first uh, 350 or so episodes. Yeah, exactly. And then it gets really good. I've been enjoying myself. I think Water 7 was my favorite arc so far. So Okay. Having a lot of fun. Rock and roll, man. That That's awesome. 
Anything else you wanted to bring the world up to speed on? No, that's about it. All right, good, because I got a lot to talk about. First of all, we got to get this out of the way because I got to talk about it. I did see the finale of the Book of Boba Fett. I will not be uh, discussing spoilers today, but I do want to come back to that question you asked me last time, Griffin. Did I enjoy this more or less than The Mandalorian? And I'm going to say neither. Because it basically was Mandalorian it, it season two point five. Four episodes of Boba Fett and the rest Mandalorian. Yes, which I can see some people having legitimate concerns about, especially if you didn't watch The Mandalorian and were like an old school fan. It's just like, hey, I want to see what Boba Fett's up to. Mm-hmm. I can see that being really frustrating. However, I have seen The Mandalorian and I really loved it. And I thought it was really fucking good. So they did a great job. I would suggest if you have seen The Mandalorian, do not sleep on Boba Fett because, well then, Mando Season 3 is not going to make any sense. So you don't really have a choice. Yeah, what's the point of doing that across differently named shows? Like, they didn't really warn everybody that, like, hey, this is going to be big spoilers for The Mandalorian, did they? No. Which is ridiculous. Nor are they saying, like, hey, you better watch Boba Fett before you watch Mandalorian Season 3. No, they didn't. Which, again, yes, I acknowledge that that is a legitimate concern. I think it could have been handled differently. You could have had, like, a Mando holiday special or something. Maybe not called that, but, like, take the Mando stuff and drop it as, like, a 2.5 so you can see, like, how he intersects with Book of Boba Fett. But, you know what? It was still really good. And, unfortunately, I can't talk about it too much more because I have so much else to talk about at the top of this episode. I'm going to talk about a video game that I've played. It's called The Forgotten City. Have you ever heard of this one, Griff? You told me about it, but I haven't played it. Oh my god, it's so fucking good. So, I maxed this game out. I I 100%ed it. Only took me about six hours. It's a pretty quick go, but I did it in one day, which I don't do. I don't play games through in one day. I was engrossed in this story. Basically, you are a person that washes up on the side of the river and you do not remember who you are. You're somewhere in Italy and a lady is like shaking you awake and she's like, hey, man, can you remember who you are or whatever? You say no. And she's like, you washed up on shore here with a friend of yours. I don't know if you remember. And he went off running into these Roman ruins. Maybe you should go see what happened. He hasn't come back out. So you do follow him into these ruins trying to find your buddy, even though you don't know who he is. And you get teleported back in time into ancient Roman times and You're in this secluded city that is under authoritarian rule, and they believe that the city is cursed so that if one person in the city sins, everybody gets struck down by the gods. And the ruler of the city, for whatever reason, knows that somebody is going to commit a sin. He does not know what the sin is going to be or who is going to do it, and is asking you as an outsider to figure it out with an objective set of eyes. And it was you the whole time. I'm not gonna say. But layered on top of this like weird high concept societal commentary thing and the time travel stuff, you also have the fact that this game is a time loop game. So if you do commit a sin or somebody commits a sin that's not like the planned sin, then everybody starts getting killed off in the city at one time and you start the day over. So you can learn things and then apply them to future runs. So you feel like you played it particularly well to finish it in six hours? I did because I got the best ending because I looked it up online afterwards because I wanted to know what the other endings were. 
you could solve it in, I think, like three, but it's a really bad ending. And then you could spend a little bit more time tying up more loose ends and have different endings, but I got the really, really good one. I would suggest anybody listening to check this out. This game is phenomenal. The story writing is really tight. It's high concept. It's interesting. I played it in a day. Like, it blew me away. It was so cool. Is it kind of, I guess, like an interactive story? I can't imagine there's really any mechanics. There's a little bit of action a little later on, but not much at all. It really is a lot of learning about history, learning about what's going on in this city, interviewing people, seeing what they want, and trying to figure out who is going to commit this sin. So if you like investigation in TTRPGs, you really like that game. Absolutely. <laughs> it's really cool. But then the third thing that I wanted to bring up before I move into the chunk of this episode is I did take your advice at the tail end of Last Zone of Truth and started watching True Blood. Yeah. How far are you in now? I have an episode and a half left of season two to go. So is, I am flying through this That show. maybe informed your... Um malevolence character a little bit absolutely yeah that's what i thought absolutely so i thought when we you know when we were introduced to this character last night yep guys i love true blood i did not have time to do this i was planning on making a top 25 things i like about true oh blood boy list. <laughs> we wouldn't get anything else done we wouldn't get anything else done but it would be worth it in the top 25 i would have things like vampire blood is an aphrodisiac vampires cry blood um I don't know. Half the show is like working at this bar and grill restaurant (laughs) subplot. Like, um, pretty good. Yeah, people call each other Fang Bangers. There's a bar called Fangtasia. There's like a weird Dionysus creature in season two. It just blows my mind. Like, the shit that's going on is so ridiculous. And it's a HBO show. <laughs> yeah, the shit going on is so ridiculous, and I'm only in season two of seven. Where does it go from oh, here? Oh, it takes some real fucking turns, my friend. Where Just could some it go? weird places. It goes to some weird places. I love it. I mean, just a, a great recommendation. Haley looks like she wants to chime in here. Griffin, did you, like, watch this without me? We only watched two seasons. You and I watched until the end no, of the last season. absolutely Yes, we not. did. We I don't recall did. any of that. We 100% did. Absolutely We've seen all not. of it, but the last, like, eight episodes. I don't believe that. We absolutely have. Okay, is, um... If you spoil something for me, I'm walking out of this episode. The werewolves are a thing, though, right? Already? We got skin changers. Which I don't know if that's the same thing that you're referring to, but like Sam Marlowe is, uh, or Merlot, spelled not how I'd expect it to be spelled. Yeah. Has been revealed to be a shape changer. And controversial opinion, people probably would not expect this from me. In Sam versus Bill, I am Team Sam. Yeah, so we're far past this in our listen through. He only knows about shape changers, mm. not actual werewolves. No, there are not actual werewolves yet. So. I guess I'm going to leave because that was a spoiler. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but uh, I already told well, you there were werewolves. Yeah, I already knew there were werewolves. To Absolutely. Oh, boy. I mean, Sookie Stackhouse. Yeah. Oh, my. What a name. Yeah, some interesting writing. Yeah. Well, so everybody listening, don't worry. I will only keep you, I'll only keep updating you about True Blood for the next five or 10 episodes. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on to the first segment that we're doing tonight. 
This is a review of the Bud Light Seltzer Sour Variety Pack. I'm gonna read some copy from Bud's website. Prepare to pucker. Great start. Yeah, my butthole is. We turned up the sour on these seltzers and made some amazing fruity flavors that are sure to test your tongue. Good second sentence. These flavors aren't for the weak and are our loudest flavors ever. Try all four flavors of the Bud Light Seltzer Sour Variety Pack today. These are 5% ABV, gluten-free, 100 calories a pop. We got four flavors. Watermelon, blue raspberry, green apple, lemon. Have you ever had a sour seltzer, Griffin? Not a Bud Light one. Neither have I. We had the Warhead ones that were probably the worst thing I've ever tasted. Yeah, so I mean the bar is set. The bar is pretty low. As low as it could be. Yeah, if these don't actively taste like vomit, then that would be an improvement on those Mm -hmm. Warhead ones. Do you have an anticipated best and worst flavors? Are you particularly excited for any of these? Are you particularly excited for sour seltzers in general? I think if they're sour candy, I'm not really going to enjoy that. Okay. Bud Light tends to go sweet, so that's what I'm thinking is going to happen. I think green apple is probably, you know, where your head goes when you think sour or something, so... If they got sour right, I would assume that green apple would probably be the strongest showing. But the other sour seltzers we had were the uh, Four loco ones. Oh, God. The 7%. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's yeah, not those, much better than those are rough. Warheads. Um, yeah. I got a couple of those still in my fridge. I think, you know, blue raspberry, I hope, is good. Yeah, I would say of the two flavors that you mentioned, I think I agree with you that green apple is probably the safest bet. Probably the one that they should get right if they're going to get any of these right but I have my highest hopes for the blue raspberry because blue raspberry is a flavor that I really like. And if they can make a good sour version of that, I'm here for it. Yeah, I mean, if they can get close to Jolly Ranchers, I'd be pretty pleased. Mm -hmm. So uh, what do you think? You want to try these out? Yeah, you want to start with lemon? Yeah, I figured we'd work our way over towards you here. We got lemon, then watermelon. Did you want to do green apple or blue raspberry last? Let's do blue raz last. I think that's the one we're both most interested in. All right. And as always, when we review different things on this show, we're going to have a rating scale. So when I was thinking about what I wanted to use as the rating scale, I was doing a little uh, cruising around on Bud Light's website, and I was immediately drawn to the top right hand corner of the screen where I had three options to purchase products from Bud Light. Did you know? Those three options were buy beer, buy gear, and buy NFTs. So... Bud Light's getting into the NFT game. Of course they are. And so, of course, I took a look to see what was going on there. <laughs> Did you end up purchasing any NFTs? Steve? Absolutely fucking not. <laughs> so today we're going to be rating the Bud Light Seltzer Sour Variety Pack Seltzers on a simple scale, Griffin. This is worst to best. And the scale is 1 to 22, representing the 22 frequently asked questions about Bud Light NFTs on their website. <laughs> So stupid. Yeah, you go to buy NFTs, you get like an exciting thing about you can get some shitty pixelized art, and then there's 22 immediate questions. And the last one is, what's Bud Light doing for the environment? And it's pretty pretty (laughs) non-committal. All right, so yeah, one to 22 frequently asked questions is how we're going to be rating these. I picked up the first can, Lemon. There's a saying on here. This is a tough scale, my friend. Yeah. That's a lot of steps. It gives us a lot of room to work with. And this can has an encouraging slogan on here, savor the squeeze, lemon. Savor the squeeze. Yes. There's a period after squeeze. They all have one. Yeah. All right. I'm going to give this a try and then I'll pass it down to you. 
Are you puckering? Yes, I am puckering. Okay. I find this difficult to rate. <laughs> you think? <laughs> um, you know what? It's a good lemon uh, seltzer. Yeah, that's exactly what I was just about to say. When, Lemon's sour. Lemon's naturally sour. When compared to the playing field of strictly lemon seltzers, I think this does rise to the top among yeah, its competitors. Pretty, pretty good. I'm not getting... I'm not getting super sour. Of sour. It's there. It's there. I think you could pass this off as a regular just sour, a and I would just seltzer. be like, oh, there's something weird about yeah, it. Yeah, I think you'd just call it a lemon seltzer. And I'm going to drop this right at a 9 out of 22. Just shy of 50%. Like, Because I just don't gravitate to a lemon seltzer. I can't see myself casually drinking this. Mm -hmm. But I think it mostly does a fine job. I'm not, I'm not yeah, get back in there, man. So because you have such a big scale, mm -hmm. 1 to 22, I was kind of thinking I would split my grade into a couple aspects to add up to 22. Oh, interesting. And one of those is, does it... <laughs> you thought you, you could make this more complicated. Well, yeah, and, and one of those is, does it actually deliver on the flavor that's on the tin? And I think this absolutely does. Sure. So I'd put this as like an 8 out of 10 on that scale. So that's going to be eight already. Okay. Does it deliver on the sour beyond being a lemon? Mm -hmm. It's maybe a three out of 10. So eight, nine, 10, 11. Yeah. 11 and out then, of 22. And then what's the final two? The final two is like, do I actually like this or not? Interesting. So I'm going to give it a one on that scale. So eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 12, 12 out of 22. I think I'm going to adopt that scale as well. Not for this because I already rated it, but going forward, I think I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we're talking flavor of, of the fruit sourness and then the bonus two points whether it's good or not yeah yeah okay because these are on the tin it is this flavor and it's supposed to be sour okay yeah now it, correct. It, it certainly gets points for being like one of the better lemon seltzers <laughs> and i think that comes through in, in the actual does it do the fruit flavor yeah rating well this can has a slogan that some of our listeners are probably going to be busting out when this episode drops on Monday, Valentine's Day. Test your tongue. Test your Water tongue. <laughs> Pink can and everything. Huh. Yep. All right. Suck out the seeds. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. Oh. Yeah, I might, I might go back in for seconds on that, too. Yeah, I'll back in there. Huh. Wow. To me, this tastes so close to the Sour Patch Kid watermelon slices. 100%. It's almost liquefied, those. It's a little tamer and a little less like, this is actual grains of sugar on my tongue. Yeah. I'll do mine first. Go that's ahead. a 7 out of 10 on watermelon. Mm -hmm. I think you can get more natural with it, but that is, I mean, that's watermelon flavor. That is a 7 out of 10 on sour. I get the sour. Mm -hmm. It tastes like a sour candy. And that's a 2 out of 2 on the, on the other piece. So that's a 16 out of 22. Wow. Yeah. Really good score there. What I don't know that this watermelon flavor does, I don't know that it quite nails the like artificial watermelon taste of a Jolly Rancher that I'd be looking for, or the natural yeah, watermelon it, it, flavor. Yeah, it's certainly some, somewhere in the middle there. Yeah, it falls in between those two things. Since it doesn't commit to either, I will give it a small hit in my watermelon taste. I'm going to give that a 6 out of 10. I still think it does a fine job, but it's just neither of the things that I would expect. Sour, I think I'm also gonna give this a six. I don't know that it quite tested my tongue, but it did make me pucker a little bit. It was weirdly more sour than the lemon. 
Yes, it certainly was. I will give this both of my bonus points as well because I did enjoy this. It was weird. I can't really explain why I liked it, but it was good. So what, where am I at? 14, 14 out of 22? Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, much, much better than the lemon. What do we got next? We got green apple. Sour to the core. Sour to the core. We'll see. Yeah. You want to start this one out? Yeah, I'll start this Go one. Go ahead. Okay. Two drinks before he even put the can down. What does that say about what Griffin's thinking about this? We'll see. Okay. I have also tasted the sour apple seltzer. Yeah. I was impressed. Yeah. I have not had a green apple sour seltzer before, and I think this fulfills the promise of the premise. I'm going to give this an 8 out of 10 for flavor. I am going to give this a 7 out of 10 for sourness. And I will be giving this both of my bonus points or a 17 out of 22. Yeah. For me, this delivers exactly what green apple seltzer should be on the tin. Absolutely. Uh, 10 out of 10 on flavor. Wow. This is exactly what I pictured in my mind before I drank it of what it should taste like. A sour, however, I'm going to give it a five. Hmm. I don't think it was that sour. I actually think the watermelon is more sour, and this should be a more sour flavor. I actually wanted to pucker on this one, and I legitimately thought this would be the most sour. Usually, green apple is a naturally sour flavor anyway, mm -hmm. and I thought this would, of the sour seltzers, be the most sour. The fact that the watermelon is as if not more sour than it leaves me wanting more in the sour department. However, I'm going to give it both of my points because I do think this, I would drink this anytime so i think i'm also at a 17 yeah but through different you know i've been getting a little bit of a butt light funky aftertaste from all of these a little bit of a metallic aftertaste yeah. but that's really the only negative i have about the overall flavors i know i think you're gonna get that from any bud right the bud light flavors in general have been pretty crappy but so far this pack has really delivered we got blue raspberry. You want to tell us what that yeah. slogan is? Blue raspberry, not so sweet. Hmm. Okay. All right. Interesting that you would say that. It's a stance to take. I'm really <laughs> a little worried. Again, going in for the second set. I will give it a try. That's tough. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to have a very strange score for this one. Yeah. I'm happy going first on this. I think I, okay. with, the, with the two sips, I've cemented my opinion of it. It's not strong enough of a blue raspberry flavor. It's actually kind of ephemeral when you consider it with the sour. Mm -hmm. I'd say that's maybe a five on flavor, similar to the lemon, honestly. And honestly, it's not that sour either. I'd say maybe it gets a six on the sour. It slightly edges out the lemon because it's more sour as a flavor that's not naturally sour. I'll give it one of my points. I, I would certainly drink this one, but I strongly believe that watermelon and green apple are the go-to flavors of this pack, which surprises me because this is the one I was really hoping would deliver. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying it didn't deliver at all. It's just not as blue raspberry as I wanted it to be, considering how strong some of the other flavors in this are. I was expecting a level of concentrated flavor that I really didn't get. Not so sweet, I think, is actually apt for yeah. this one because it's not. It doesn't really have the artificial sweetness that you almost expect in a blue raspberry. You because blue raspberry is not like a not a naturally occurring flavor, really. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think that puts me at uh, 12, 12 out of 22. Interesting. Lower score than I would have thought, because I think I'm going to give this a, a pretty decent score. I'm going to give this eight out of 10 for taste. Now, I do agree with you. This does not punch me in the mouth the way with sweetness that I would expect 
or probably want from a blue raspberry. However, I think in that way it sort of, it took a slight swerve around my expectations and delivered something I didn't realize I was interested in. It's a nice, palatable blue raspberry. Like, I could drink a can of this and not feel like shit. And I agree with you on that front. Mm -hmm. I think it just doesn't deliver sour blue raspberry to me. That's where I start having challenges with it. So I've got 8 out of 10 on the flavor because I do like the flavor. I really do. It is not sour. I got to give this like a 4. Because sure, there's some sweetness to that, but sweetness does not a sour make. Right. Um, For my two points... It's tough. I want to give this both my points because I do like the flavor. Should I? Yeah. Who cares? I'm going to give it both of my points for the flavor. So what I give that with my eight that comes out to 10, 14. All right. So maybe I came in lower than I thought, but I do like it. It's yeah, good. It's good. It's a big scale. And I yeah. think when you think about any of these, none of them was mind meltingly good, right? Yeah. They're all fine. I would say in some ways they're a little better than fine. Better than, better than I, your average pack, I'd yes. say. Uh, oh, of Bud Light packs, this is oh, better almost than, as better good than as most it gets. Bud Light packs. Yeah. Yes, but of your average seltzer pack, I think this has a niche. Mm-hmm. It has a niche, and I think it actually would be good to put into a rotation. Yeah, because you have your traditional seltzers, right? That yeah. uh, you expect a more, I don't know, like crisp and clean. Mm-hmm. These are definitely where I might replace some of the other syrupy sweet ones because I don't yeah. think they're syrupy. That's kind of the good thing about them. They're, they're sweet. Clean. They have that sourness to them, but they're not overpoweringly sweet, mm-hmm. which in all of them but this, I appreciated. And I think as a pack, if we go back to like our normal zero to five, mm-hmm. I'd say this is probably. Oh, no, no, four. no, no. One to 22. Well, I'm just trying to compare it to like other packs we've reviewed. It's all probably right. a four out of five. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, probably. In the 22 scale, this is probably like a 15 out of 22, 15, 16 out of 22 in total. This could be a five out of five pack if it just leaned into the sour more. Yeah, I think so. so. Yeah. So I think overall pretty good, but I know we still have some stuff to get through, Griffin. So we got four flavors on the table here. Which two do you want to take away? Uh, I would like to lay claim to the Brew Raspberry. I I, I appreciated that more than you did. I'm going to go. Do you want that watermelon? You seem pretty. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go for the watermelon, I think. And green apple lemon, I could go either way. I don't particularly care one way or the other. Well, then I'll take the green apple because I like the green apple. Nah, I was hoping <laughs> you get blue lemon. Uh, yeah, that's true. Okay. So. You should mix yours. You get a blue raspberry lemonade. Well, well, well. Right? Genius. Maybe that flavor is better than the two, the sum of its parts. All right. Check in next month. We'll be trying that. <laughs> All right. Time to move on to a segment back by popular demand. This is called Banger Battle, Monsters of Myth Edition. So what are we doing here? The bus rides again. In this segment, Griff and I will be sampling different types of bang energy and rating them based on how many wheels of the bang bus we give each beverage. In between samplings, the two of us will be picking monsters randomly from the Pathfinder 2nd Edition Lost Omens volume, Monsters of Myth, and engage in a spirited discussion about them, ultimately deciding whether to bang or battle. All right. So if you didn't catch the first installment of Banger Battle, we had our friends at Dice Crisis on. We mainlined a ton of bang energies at like 10 p.m. It was a terrible decision. Yeah, we were up till like three or four in the morning. Yeah, but we initially had a problem because we didn't know what the rating scale should be. And we came up with this how many wheels on the bang bus, but then we didn't know how many wheels were on a bus or the bang bus. So I did some homework before this. Uh-oh, this uh, is going to be a different scale? No. <laughs> so. Okay. <laughs> So I found out that a typical school bus has six wheels. And then I was like, okay, 
But what about the bang boss? According to a 2003 forum post from anandtech.com, the bang bus is likely a Ford Ecoline or GM Express to facilitate two to four performers plus two to three camera operators and their equipment depending on the scene. The, <laughs> the vehicle was ultimately not identified in the thread whether or not that was the Express or the Ecoline. However, it was determined by general consensus that the bang bus definitely was not a Pontiac Montana. Did you know that both of those are vans, and so it's technically a bang van? I, yes, I was aware of that. <laughs> Regardless, both of them have four wheels, so that's what we're going to do. What are we trying today? We got three different types of bang. You want to walk us through them, Griff? Sure. Oh, man, this is, um, is going to be punishing because this is a candy apple crisp, which normally in a normal bang is a great flavor. <laughs> However, this is the... Uh, sparkling five-hour energy version of bang and by sparkling mm -hmm. i mean these are apparently carbonated i don't know why you would make an energy shot carbonated that seems like a terrible idea yes it is touted on the bottle as the world's first carbonated energy shot so we have an energy shot that is candy apple crisp we have an energy shot that is rainbow unicorn again both flavors that we have tried and bang yep. and enjoyed and then we got this motherfucker. <laughs> you gotta be shitting me that this isn't a coffee. <laughs> no, it's not, bro. Bang whole lot of chocolata. Where I, did you find this, Dollar General? That was at my regular grocery store. Oh, man. Um, full disclosure, I have tried that flavor before, but I will be holding my comments until I try it again. Okay. So as not to effect or swing your scale. I know you're quite impressionable. I'm a little worried that <laughs> having all of these Bud Light Sours is going to go real poorly with chocolate. Oh, you don't think a uh, watermelon sour is going to mix well with whole lot of chocolata? I honestly think if this is good, I might just dunk it into my uh, sour green apple that's, because candy that's a good crisp. Idea. All right. I think we're going to do three iterations of the game because we got three here. Sure, yeah. Let's do the bang first. Then what we're going to be doing is rolling a d20, and that is going to correspond to a monster in the Lost Omens Monsters of Myth. Do want to mention this book real quick. We both have a copy here. For those of you who are not familiar, I'm going to read some copy from the Paizo website, Release the Beasts. Heroes abound in the Age of Lost Omens, but for every great hero, there is an even greater monster. Lost Omens Monsters of Myth provides details on 20 of the most infamous and terrifying monsters from the Inner Sea region and beyond. Uncover the secrets of some of Galarian's greatest monsters. Uh, yada, yada, yada. There's rumors, tales, and even treasures for the brave adventurers willing to face these legendary creatures. I read this book cover to cover. This is not paid promotion or anything for the book. I just found it really exciting and pretty good. There are poems, stories, rumors, and actual origin tales for these 20 creatures. You've got their stat blocks, variant stat blocks, and ways to incorporate them into your games at any level of play. There's rituals, spells, loot, and all sorts of awesome stuff. I thought the read-through of this book was very enjoyable. So, without further ado, Griffin, you're going half-seas on this candy apple crisp? Oh boy, oh boy. Okay. I will say, if you get Monsters of Myth for anything, it's got to be that down initiate archetype. That's one of the coolest, most flavorful archetypes that Paizo's written so far. Ooh. It's on Nethus, but... <laughs> <laughs> I think it's don't buy the whole book for the archetype, but... 
So that that hiss. Yeah, it did hiss. I can confirm there was a hiss on this what should be five hour energy shot. Liquid's clear. Yeah. Okay, here we go. I'll try and half it as best I can. Okay. That is clear. All right. Whew. Well, a little bit more concentrated. <laughs> a little sticky. A little sticky. Yeah. Didn't really get much of the carbonation, actually, which I'm delighted by. Well, yeah, that's going to work in its favor. <laughs> much less carbonated than I thought. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, it really coats you like a shot. It really of, it's just, like a yeah, shot it's like a, a, it's a oh, blood boy. shot in its uh, mouth feel. Yeah, I can, like, feel it in between my teeth. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. It's I all got over. it above and below the tongue, which I think mm. was a mistake. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. Because now yeah, I'm having trouble. You should know to press your tongue down at the bottom of really your... let it hit the back. I figured I would, wouldn't be able to give it an unbiased mm. review if I didn't just kind of... Yeah, it's, fuck, it's everywhere. It's like on my lips and shit. This sucks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I feel like I have lip gloss on. Yeah, one out of four wheels. This is rough. The flavor, the flavor is fine. fine. It's not as good as regular candy apple crisp, which is probably... A three out of four. I'll give it two wheels. I mean, that's better than a five-hour energy in my mind mm. in terms of flavor. I guess in a way I'm comparing it to, to the, other bangs. And to those. other bangs, which really can be very, very good. And this wasn't. So, um, yeah, I, I got to throw it at the one. But I would drink it again if I had to. I can't understand. What circumstance? Yeah, like, what circumstance would there be where you have can't, to? I can't for the life of me think of when I would have to drink one of these, but... Steve, it's life or death. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to roll a, a d20 here. Okay. You want to get the book out, Griff? And, yeah, I, uh, I and see what this corresponds to? Ooh. It's going to be early. It's three. That is a desert towel. Desert towel. Do you know what this is offhand? Not quite, no. All right, so I know a little bit, so I'll start vamping a little bit while you take a look. This is a, a cool creature that was thought to be the spirit of this notorious thief. I'm trying to remember exactly where in the world. I think maybe Thuvia or Rahadum, somewhere in, in that area of the world. But he was this thief who stole a whole bunch of stuff and he had caches of his treasure all over the sands of the deserts. And he uh, died or was killed and became this really creepy looking creature. Yeah, you want, you want me to describe him here? Yeah, please Desert do. Desert Towel is a towering gray abomination with a shape vaguely similar to that of a bearded man with glowing yellow eyes, long ibex horns, deadly black claws, and cloven hooves. These features have sometimes caused those who encounter it to mistake it for some kind of fiend, a fatal mistake likely to lead to their demise, as mm -hmm. Desert's Howl is in truth a twisted aberration composed of a disgusting mix of nightmares, smoke, and ash. As such, holy water and other measures that might be effective against fiends have no effect on a Desert's Howl. And wow! I mean, the art right away. This guy's cut. Yeah, this guy is this guy's cut. ripped. Not a lot of clothes on this guy. No, no. There's uh, barely an Ickmer shred of loincloth over yeah. his business. It looks like his loincloth is actually like tied to his wrists as well. That's, mm. a, that's an interesting detail. Yeah, that is. He's, yeah, got, he's got like... Um, like jackal feet kind of. Yeah, but holes. he's got like wristbands and, uh, and anklets. Yeah, so he's into some freaky shit. I mean, he's got the dual long horns. Those are good handholds. Aura of agony. Kind of into that. You know, I, th I think this is what would make the bang part a little bit difficult. Uh, are, are, we, are we both looking at the forlorn howl? Uh, well, no. <laughs> I, I was actually looking at his putrid evanescence. Ah, yes. Which is once per minute. 
you think you'd trigger this a couple times at least. Uh, probably just once or twice. <laughs> the trigger is that the desert cell is damaged by another creature. Desert cell bursts into a cloud of putrid smoke, ash, and nightmares, becoming invisible and teleporting up to 100 feet away to an unoccupied space it can see. It remains invisible until the end of its next turn until it uses a hostile action, whichever comes first. Okay. It's um, a little, uh, you know, things might get freaky. It's kind of like a little game of cat and mouse. Yeah, I'm going to counter that with the paralytic secretion. Ooh. His uh, Ooh. Desert Howl's saliva is a potent paralytic that drains the enemy from prey. Yeah, I'm going to give this a bang. <laughs> what, because of the paralytic secretion? I mean, yeah, you got a lot going for him. First of all, he's fucking cut. Like, he looks good. Mm. I mean, I mean, he looks like a terrifying nightmare creature, but he's cut. Yeah, paralytic. Uh, yeah, he's doing it for me. I'd give that a bang. Okay, so this is this is probably the most sexual line in. Uh, so it's got this profane feast. Requirements: the, the desert tile has a creature grabbed. You'd think, you know, that's already happening in the moment. Yeah. The effect is that the desert tile begins to consume the creature, dealing two d twelve plus fifteen piercing damage, and exposing the creature to its paralytic secretion. <laughs> so, um. I think you get some sloppy toppy from this. 100%. This while you're hanging on to those giant antlers for dear life. I think you'd be left with unsettling dreams afterwards, as, as is kind of noted here. But yeah, but um, I don't know. I've definitely seen less attractive monsters. 100%. Like, this is, this is certainly one of the most attractive aberrations out there. Yes, yes. So I, this I, th- I think you, you have to go bang on this. Yeah. There's too much going for him, man. I mean, yeah, after those unsettling dreams, I mean, uh, subsequent nights after you hook up, re- dreams and reality begin to blur together due to exhaustion. Plus, <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like there's a market for that aura of agony. Like, I feel like that's, that's a benefit in some circles. All right. Well, at this point, I feel like we're just wasting time before we have to try the next bang. You might be right. However. <laughs> All right. We have to do it. This is another one of these shooters. This is the Rainbow Unicorn, which is a flavor, again, that we really like. I think earlier we were talking about this one, saying that it's pretty similar to those, like, tropical or berry Skittles. Yeah. I got to have a quick uh, Bud Light Seltzer Sour Palate Cleanser, though, before I take another one of these. I think I just need a little bit of downer before this again. Yeah, my heart's going to (laughs) explode. It's not good for it to go in both directions, Steve. We're getting old for the energy drink and uh, an alcohol combo. Yeah, I mean, 22-year-old Steve could have done this no problem, but... Uh. 22-year-old Griff probably did it with 5-hour energy, but... Hmm. Okay. Again, very clear. I feel like you did me dirty that time. What do you I mean? had to double gulp. Oh, no. Left leg. <laughs> I actually, that one's good. Yes, I... That one's much better. I'm going to give it a 3 out of 4. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm in the same space as you. I would say if we were exclusively just talking about five-hour energy type energy shots, this oh, is that's four out there. Of, yeah, this is four out of four. That's definitely one of the but best. Since we're just looking there. at bangs in general, yeah, this is a three out of four. It also very close to the actual bang flavor, right? Maybe a byproduct of me trying one, two, three, four, five, six, being the seventh thing that I drink on this table this episode. This doesn't coat my mouth quite as much. No, there's a market difference between that and the candy apple crisp. I'm going to roll the d20 again, and then let's get freaky. All right. 17. What do we got? 17. Tehiali? Ah, yes. (laughs) This is a Tianja creature. 
102. Yes. I actually opened directly to the page. Nice. This is a creature that is not evil, that I remember. I'm going to look at the alignment. Chaotic neutral. This is a creature which hangs around villages and causes a little bit of mischief, I think. The most notable thing about this creature is that it has many different masks it wears, and the masks look different. And when it changes masks, it changes the powers that it has, and also seemingly its temperament. So if somebody attacks it, it can flip a mask to something like the beast or the hero, which it would use to um, fight back. But most of the time, I believe it wears masks that are a little bit more subdued. Yeah, I mean, though her current form is but a small and pale shell of her former glory, Tehiali is a legend even in her waning days. The Titanic. Oh, fuck, I'm looking at the wrong creature. I knew it. <laughs> I was Motherfucker. like, masks? Interesting. Uh, the titanic crustacean wears the hulls of ruined ships as her shell, ripped into the shape by vessel-rending claws. As nothing else in Galarian's ocean is large enough to shield her body, or perhaps nothing else will satisfy her. All right, well, I was looking at... Uh... See, it's because you can't... Neither of us can pronounce these things. That creature was spelled T-A-L-J-J-A-E. Oh, yeah. So I saw that and was like, oh, maybe... Yeah. Few okay. ships can withstand her might, and fewer still are prepared for her appearance. Those who don't know of the thief of ships won't know to watch for her coming. And, and honestly, this looks like a massive crab covered in boats. Yes. The story that I rem- that I read about this is uh, is this crustacean that I think was in Aslant, and there was some dude who was feeding it and raising it and it kept growing and growing and he kept making the pond. It was in bigger and bigger, and then he gave it like canoes or something to make armor out of like a hermit crab. Yeah. And then uh, it knew Earthfall was coming. And then the guy took all the canoes off it to get his people off of the continent that was about to be destroyed. And it didn't like that. And now it likes to destroy ships and add them to its armor. Yeah. See, this is what confused me too, because it is also chaotic neutral. Yes. Which is weird for a gargantuan aquatic beast. Yes, it's called the Behemoth in the Depths. Yep. So, I mean, right away, this thing isn't very appealing. Mm-hmm. Not very humanoid. Very barbed. Yes. And covered in ship armor. <laughs> so, I'm curious what this means. Pressurized claw. Yes. It can suck water into its claws. Now you speak about Yes. And has several different claws that do several different things or different sort of attacks when it releases that pressure. Perhaps you get some suction play there. Yep. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, The only, I mean, like, yeah, she's just got pressurized claw, release claw, ship armor, and move home, which just lets her (laughs) shed a ship armor and put on another ship. Don't forget capsize. Yeah. Flip me on my back. (laughs) Yeah, you're an aquatic vessel of (laughs) your size or smaller, I guess. Yeah, you know what? I mean, it's really tough to justify because, I mean, this is a gargantuan creature, but I think I'm going to give it a bang. I think battle. It's only CR 13. Mm. Easy for a mid-level party to take down. Yeah. I will say that it has ocean lore plus 30, so that gives us something to talk about because I am curious about the ocean. (laughs) Can you speak Aquan or Okayan? No. So maybe a little less to talk about. Yeah, maybe a little less to talk about. Yeah. 
because those are the only things that can speak. Mm-hmm. See, I think I'm interested in destroying it so that I can get its gifts. Yes. The title Fishhook. That sounds kind of like what Maui has. Interesting. And I'm into that. Or the star chart tattoo. Yeah, I don't know how that... How's that... Uh, is that like when you beat her? How do you get that? I don't have a fucking clue. I don't know, but these are rare items. And I, the title Fishhook is a plus two greater striking returning combat grapnel, which is dope. Yeah, that's fucking awesome. I assume it's made of one of her claws or something. I'm, I'm really not sure. Or it's just a magic item tied to her. Oh, it sounds like this navigator, this uh, cola dude, this is the dude that was raising this thing, I believe, Mm -hmm. learned from her how to create magical tattoos and fish hooks, and you can find out how to get this tattoo from him. Ah, see, I would get much more use sexually out of the title fish hook than I would out of Te Holly herself. I don't disagree with that. However, that does not change my answer of being. Okay, fair enough. All right. uh, We're allowed to disagree. Speaking of bang, we have our final sampling here today. This is going to be the whole lot of chocolata. This is a traditional bang, the full tall boy can. Steve, before we get there, I I did notice that the way we're using this book is not mentioned in the how to use this book section. Oh, interesting. What does it say instead? (laughs) I can't find any references to like this book should be used as a dating sim or anything like that. No, no, no. If you get into this this column on the side here, it says that you can use this as a little black book. Where does it if, say that? Moving on. A um, <laughs> whole lot of chocolata. I just see the first owlbear, Steve. <laughs> hey, hit me up. I suppose I'm digging into this whole lot of chocolata. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. You said you weren't particularly excited for this, right? I'm not. It's a room temperature. Oh, fuck, dude. That- that's so fucking bad. That's so foul. It's really something Oh else. my God, it's a carbonated old Tootsie Roll. Yes. <laughs> oh. That is absolutely correct. Oh, carbonated the, the old The only Tootsie Roll. chocolate part. It's like Tootsie Roll is the worst chocolate flavor ever. It's also clear, which when you shouldn't see that, be. you're like, oh, that, shouldn't that doesn't make sense. The bus is on the side of the road. <laughs> the bus is, is in the shop for repairs. All the wheels are off. I took this to the gym, I think, on squat day. And, you, and it was it was a tough one. It was a tough you one. You don't to have to through. tell the audience you crapped yourself while you squatted, but it tastes like that. Yeah. It tastes like a like a squatting shart. I generally like the bang products, but this is this a is, really difficult one. This is horrendous. Yeah. I was and they, so they nailed the Tootsie Roll flavor in the worst fucking way. Yeah, I was so excited when I texted you and asked if you've ever tried this flavor and you said no because I knew you were going to hate I it. I would never pick this up voluntarily. Yeah, I did you real dirty with this one. God, that sucks. That's fucking crap. That's so... Who? Someone should be fired for this one. Let's roll the die. This is like worse than the birthday cake scenario. 14. <laughs> it's the Sumnalu on page 84. Oh, shit. I have no idea what this is. Cool, then we can learn together. I think I read this one when I was drunk. Oh, boy. Just the image alone is... <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, so I don't really remember the story. I think there was something about, like... Something falling from the moon, maybe? 
Okay. All right. I believe this is somewhere in Tianja. Yeah, it, it does appear to be. The The first image is what looks to be like a maybe a samurai. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's... Fighting this, this creature in front of the full moon. But with its lithe, sinuous body and a flexible, twisting spine. Ooh, both points in its favor. Yep. Somnalu bears a resemblance to a giant lizard, save for its striking visage. Spiny frills run down the creature's mottled black back, interlaced with dull red stripes that streak from head to tail. Its two sets of forelimbs are bound to each other by small webs of skin. Its distinctive face lacks any visible mouth, nose, or ears, instead possessing only a huge red eye surrounded by six smaller secondary eyes. There are no turnoffs in uh, what you just described. Mm, I would think the lack of a mouth, maybe. Yeah. But it is a neutral evil, huge aberration. This does seem to have ties to dreams when it's defeated its central eye abandons its dying body to create an ethereal body from the wisps of dreams and becomes a level 11 creature on its own. This is a level 15 creature. It's got sleep scent, so I imagine it just smells sleeping things, which, Hmm. you know, if you feel like being woken up to that kind of thing, sure. Yeah, interesting. It does describe that Somnalu can smell creatures that are asleep as the scent ability, and that is an imprecise scent. Yeah, imprecise. Corrosive wounds, the acid that coats the skin of Somnalu, eats away at a weapon that strikes it as long as digestive secretion is active on Somnalu. Whenever a creature hits Somnalu with a metal or wooden weapon, the creature must succeed at a reflex save or else the weapon takes 2d8 acid damage. Yeah, I mean, looking at some of these abilities, acid spew, caustic trench, digestive secretions, drain nutrients, vent fumes... Out of all of those, I'm pretty much only interested in drain nutrients. Oh, see, I was thinking about Caustic Trench. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was just curious what that one might mean. Burrows three times, it takes a trench along its path, filling the trench with acid pump from its skin. I like vent fumes. Somnalu blasts poison gas in a 30-foot radius. (sighs) Dude, I'm going battle on this one, too. Now, I might be swayed by the Oculus by itself. (laughs) Because, like, a, you know, an ethereal body is kind of interesting. And I feel, like, less corrosive. Well, here's the deal. For me, the Oculus is a little bit redundant because it has this scrutinizing presence. Yeah, see, like, that might make me self-conscious. It scrutinizes creatures around it, causing them to falter with nervousness and self-doubt. You know, joke's on you. I already got both those things. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I'm pretty much immune to that. You don't think that would affect performance? No, that's something I deal with every day. So, you know what? But, like, it's got dream tendrils, which also have the finesse property. Yeah. I'm oh, just saying. I'm just saying. You know what? Yeah, I'll give it a bang. Oculus, bang. The thing itself, battle. Okay. So, yeah, like a 50-50. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. I wasn't uh, expecting two stat blocks out of it, so. Yeah. I mean, that's a pleasant surprise. Anytime you get that. Honestly, that's great. You battle the thing, pop that eye out. <laughs> you got a bang right after. And with that... <laughs> That's the end of Banger Battle, Monsters of Myth Edition. My pulse is pounding. I've started to latently sweat everywhere. Here we go. Um, Let's get to some questions. Okay, I haven't had a single chance to read any of them, so I'm just going to go from the very top. So enjoy. Uh Uh-oh. We've got (laughs) Chris to start. Based on the flavors you tasted in the Bud Light Sour Pack, if you had to add one more flavor, what would it be? Ooh. Oh, wow. That's very interesting. Yeah. I think immediately to some of the different flavors of Warheads, Black Cherry, I think, is an easy one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like peach rings. I think oh, uh, Sour Peach would sour be nice. Peach, interesting. 
I think that would be a good swap with lemon. Sure, sure. Yeah, I think either of those work really well. I think they do better with stuff that is not inherently sour mm-hmm. so that you can... I think we noticed it with these. It's like when you add the sour to it, it at least fulfills the promise a little bit. Sure. If but we want to go down that path of thought, I'm going to go sour a whole lot of chocolate. No, let's um, let's move on from a whole lot of chocolate. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. From Spartan, on the note of talking about monsters, what has been the single coolest or craziest creatures you've ever fought slash ran from or ran? No, it's it's actually ran the creature that is not ran from. Single coolest. Yeah, that's tough. Mm-hmm. Or craziest. I think one that immediately jumps out to me is really awesome. We were fighting the Black Magas in late Return of the Rune Lords, which were these giant, like aquatic brontosauruses that were undead that lived underwater. Those were really cool. Yeah. I think minor returned spoilers, but we ran from or bargained with the demigod in Karyax. Mm. And, you know, after we finished dealing with him, checked out his stat block, and it's wild. Yeah. And I, I think I saved on his, like, everyone is frozen forever effect mm. because I was an inquisitor standing next to all of my friends. Standing next to four With, people. like, the highest will save in the party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and rolled really well. But He's got some crazy abilities and is a really cool, cold-oriented uh, deity. So a lot of them feature around winter things. Yeah. All right. What else do we got? Yeah, we got a lot of questions about fucking monsters here. So uh, all right, if you could bang any one creature in that book, what would it be? Ooh, we were actually talking about this off mic and during the break. Uh, I just popped the book back up. We both were a yes on the mosquito witch. Yeah, that's easy. Mm, there were a couple that I was really excited about. There's an undead crocodile called Olgrim Axian, who's interesting. But I do need to give it to the monster that I was most looking forward to talking about today. When unfortunately, we didn't roll for this monster. Kuorsis, a decaying octopus-like creature that has hands at the end of every tentacle. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, Krampus is in here, so that's tough to deny. Sure. <laughs> okay. We'll stay on these types of questions. Just get them mm-hmm. all out of Spring here. Spring Jack might be a good one. But Spring Jack's tiny. What's yeah, but Spring knows how to jack. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Give you a blowjob standing up, I guess. All right. Cool. From Corey, do you not think Avalos are fuckable? Do we not think they are? Yeah. Do you not think Aboliths? No, they certainly are. Of course. Yeah, why Why wouldn't we think they are? Coated in mucus, right? They're coated in mucus. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, I mean, our, our fish? Follow or? up on that from Sir Newt. Okay. How would you invite an Abolith on a date? Serious answers only, please. Break my mind, daddy. Fair. Hmm. I think we gotta go like real world analogs, right? How would you invite a dolphin on a date? Well, dolphins are notoriously horny. And I think the same is probably through... <laughs> Like true for Abolus, right? They're yeah. like a dolphin with multiple tentacles. Well, a bunch of people drown every year because dolphins try to mate with them. I think you're basically asking one on a date anytime you cast water breathing or. Yeah. 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 yeah pretty much. That's, that's pretty much all you need. 
Yeah. I, th- I think you put like purple contacts in and then they want to like topple your empire. Mm. Yes. All right, cool. We got two more about uh, having sex with Perfect. monsters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Train yep. <laughs> Smeagol, what's the most bangable creature in all of Pathfinder? Oh, uh, man. I, I mean, a succubus, right? I was going to say the exact same thing. Like, on paper, the most bangable creature. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a playable race, but I'll, I'll kick it to Kitsune, too. Well, obviously you would. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll edge Kitsune. Yeah, that, that's that's the top one for me. Okay. Okay, to follow up on that one, Demuth then asks, what's the least bangable and why? Mm, probably uh, pretty difficult to survive banging a black pudding. <laughs> that they're you know not that they're not like mm, interesting you put them into the right mold and you might be interested but the, the logistics of recovering for you like you basically have to take the use morph archetype if you want to stand a chance there now oh, this is fucking filth you would basically have to take like the tube that a fleshlight gets stuck in and then fill it up with the black pudding, I would have to assume. Yeah, that would probably be the first sexually motivated casting of protection from energy and resist energy acid. Yeah, probably. Ooh, do I have an answer for this? I... Eh, black pudding's good. Um, What do you think about swarms? I mean, they get all up in your business. Yeah, that was my kind of thought, too. My thought went to swarms, but then there's some play there. I mean, you... Especially if you get into Worm That Walks territory, they're going to show you some things that you never thought were possible. Puppet me around. Yeah. I'll, I'll also say, yeah, like in news, if you don't take the right precautions or uh, have a some sort of molding that it can fit into easily. All right. So now we'll talk about... Other stuff? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Cool. So we've got from Sir Nude as well. What's your favorite monster from the book as far as lore? So, you know, not... Not fucking. Hmm. Well, I'm going to answer banger battle anyway. Okay, fine. I've let you know that right off the rip. I just opened to the table of contents to see, to remind myself again what's in here. I am going to once again mention that Olgram Axeon. This is in. The undead. Uh... This undead mama crocodile who. She was pregnant. She has got a bunch of eggs inside of her and lived in Geb when she was not undead. And Geb started getting these body farms going and just started dumping gore and viscera and runoff and and pollution into her river, her native habitat, basically killing everything except her. She escapes, but was infected or whatever and ends up dying up in the mountains or something. And now is this badass, rotting, half-frozen crocodile who eats undead in revenge for what the people of Geb did to her and her habitat. I love her story. I think she's badass as fuck. It's really cool. And also Bang. Okay, cool. Yeah, I have a soft spot for the Mosquito Witch. I just like the I like the lower level things in this book. And I think like the Mosquito Witch and the Sandpoint Devil are great you know, urban legend type things that yeah. That don't fall into the category of like, hey, we already have that. Like, I'm glad they didn't put like Sasquatch in this book. <laughs> yeah. I also have a soft spot for the male fesh monster, a giant cavern under a forest that is just full of intelligent fungus. And 
every once in a while it'll send out an ambulatory spin-off of itself and people will fight it and kill it and thought that they defeated the Malfish monster. But really, it was just a piece of this cave full of fungus. It's pretty interesting. Hmm. You know what I wish they put in here? Go ahead. It's really interesting in like the forest of Nadal, there's what's known as the hive, which is like the xenomorph type stuff. Oh. That actually exists on Galarian. I think this would have been a really cool book to have like the queen of the hive. I've never heard of that. That's yeah. awesome. They're in the Uskwood. Nice. Got any more questions, Haley? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cropped up a lot of questions. Yeah. Started saying we'd fuck monsters, huh? This one's actually, again, not about fucking monsters, but Eric asked... Uh, skip it. <laughs> no. Eric has asked, what legend slash myth would you like to see given stats, and what's one you think should remain a mystery, aka if it has stats, you can kill it? Hmm. I don't know that it's been ported to 2E yet, but... Apparently, the Mothman from West Virginia was made a creature in 1E, which I'm sure we're going to talk about on the Zone of Truth one day because I love, love, love the legend of the Mothman here. So if that's not in 2E yet, I would love to see that ported over. I don't think it is. What are you thinking, Griff? <sighs> yeah, I mean, I'd like to see more of the like non-malevolent legends kind of ported over, mm -hmm. but I'm trying to think of one specifically that... I'd want to see because like we have Baba Yaga and that's she's not statted for good reason because she's almost deity level like witch patron and stuff. Well, if you're still thinking I've got a couple that I don't want to see or sure. would like yeah. to see those remain a mystery. I think similarly to the Mosquito Witch who in this book they offer a bunch of different potential origin stories but they don't nail down a specific one. Some of the like new horror stuff that we've talked about before on the Zone of Truth your like slender man siren head all of that kind of like weird unexplainable cryptid stuff i'm not saying that i don't want to see it in pathfinder second edition or pathfinder one or whatever but i would like to have some mystery there still because i think the thing that excites me about those stories is the mystery of it i don't need that explained to me because the the explanation makes it not scary i really don't want them to port over anything that is like a real world culture's deity as something that's statted because I feel like that really puts a tear to it mm -hmm. that's kind of uncalled for. Yeah. If they were to like bring like Quetzalcoatl or something into Tui, like it'd be weird for them not to make that a deity and leave it unstatted. I see what you're so saying. So I really I I would prefer if they didn't like start pulling stuff from ancient religions or whatever and start statting it. But in terms of something that I would actually want in. I think we don't really have a like spirit of the North wind or anything like that. And I wouldn't want that statted, but I think something that's not like a malevolent spirit, mm -hmm. but like kind of like there's a lot of either creation myth or just stories about the North wind and about like the Aurora Borealis and stuff. And I don't think we really have, we might have a deity that like concerns that, but I don't think we have like that spirit. Sure. I think that would be cool to bring in. Yeah, love it. What do you got, Haley? Got another one from Eric, actually. Uh, would you rather see these monsters of myth used as reoccurring and almost insurmountable foes around like an ongoing campaign or something, or as a monster of the week for big game hunters? I, some of them don't lend themselves to being a big bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, the one Steve just talked about, Olgrim Axen, is really cool, but is like level seven. So you're going to face that at the end of your mid 
adventuring career. Mm-hmm. Actually, at the start of your mid-adventuring career, you could fight it at level five. Spring Hill Drac is three. Right, right. So like some of them would work better in a Monster of the Week type setting, those specifically. Others, you know, they, they do a great job in here of explaining how you could utilize the higher level ones in a like level one to five context and, you know, in, mm-hmm. in several different contexts. So I think they're written with the intent of being a big bad that's used frequently. All of them that are higher level work really well if you want to do a Monster of the Week as like level 16 adventurers. Yeah. This would be way off track for Paizo to write, but having like a big game hunter adventure kind of similar to Night of the Grey Death where it starts at like level 16 and you're taking down some of these things would be really cool. I agree. I think that'd be really fun. All right. Corey also asked, do you like the inclusion of the Sandpoint Devil, even though it's been covered extensively in a lot of other books? I think it's fine. I think this creature actually was covered in a different 2E supplement. I believe in the book it actually refers you to Bestiary 2 or 3 or something to look at the actual stat block for it. But this book instead provides something called like a Spectral Devil, which could be a new iteration of the Sandpoint Devil. Like if you kill it, it comes back or whatever. Yeah, I think I see what you're saying with it's kind of already been done and touched on. I like it in here. I think it's fine. I mean, do I think they needed to devote 500 pages to Absalom? Also, probably not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, yeah, they've done some redundant page count or some page count that's like, you know, isn't really worth it in my mind. Do I think we needed a whole Sandpoint book? Also, no. Why bother when you've already written adventures for that in first edition? I don't think we're getting a 2E Sandpoint adventure again. At least I pray we don't. So that felt unnecessary. If we get another Absalom adventure uh, in the next five years, I'm not going to buy it because there's three on the Isle of Cortos at this point. So that came year late and a dollar short, in my opinion. So yeah, I, I hate when shit's rehashed. It's cool that they gave it more story, but like, who the fuck cares about Sandpoint at this point? All right, so uh, that's kind of it for most of the questions here. Um, you know, Brooks does ask a question. I'm not sure if it's supposed to be kind of a last or anywhere near really genuine here. Um, do we have any final jabs? Yeah, we do. Okay. So so, so this is the lead in. This will be the next thing's actual going to be the last job. Okay. okay. All right. That's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. Yeah. So, so Brooks just, he wants to know why you're so cool and funny. So okay. <laughs> listen, I mean, I've been cultivating this uh, cult of personality around me for a long time now. And I'm glad to see it's paying off. Yeah, you can see Brooks has clearly bought it. Yes. All right. So then the actual last job does come with a picture reference uh, as sure. well. Sure. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So <laughs> that's fun. Uh, Sir Newt has said, mm-hmm. Stephen Griff got that Barquin, Dan, and Droopy McCool energy. And then mm. did, did, in fact, give us a link to that horrible set of toys. <laughs> All right. Well, Actually, I was going to ask who's who, but I think it's pretty, <laughs> pretty clear. <laughs> Amazing. Incredible that you can buy a two-pack of those figures and not be able to tell that apart from the two of us. There you go. <laughs> really nailed it. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us today. I'm wrapping up here. We do have a couple pieces of housekeeping before I do our final sign-off. Just want to say... 
that we did record the first two episodes of Malevolence last night. That first episode is dropping to everybody in the world on the Bestow Curse feed on the 15th. So if you're listening to this on Valentine's Day on, on Monday, tomorrow you're going to be able to listen to episode one. That's awesome. Then episode two, drop it on the Patreon feed on the 22nd. We also have another thing to promote really quick. If you know where and how to find Hideous Tomfoolery and are a fan of that show, part two of book three has dropped. So go check that out if you want to hear Griff and I continue with some of our best friends from the Southern Tomfoolery Network playing through Attack of the Swarm. And if you don't know how to find it, just join our Discord. Yes, we'll help you out there. All right. Take care, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are going to be hopping over to the Drunk and Discorderly channel in just a moment for the after party. But in the meantime, Griffin, is there anything you want to say to the folks at home? Finish your drinks. We'll see you in two weeks. Later. Later.